Welcome to the Rhode Island Liberty Report, your source for libertarian commentary on current events in the Ocean State and Southern New England. Coming to you from Rothbard Studios. Welcome back to another episode of the Rhode Island Liberty Report. I'm Mike, and I'm here with me, as always, are uh, Sean and Bill. How are you guys doing? Doing great. Great to be here. Yeah, glad Good. to be back. Yeah, it's been, again, we had another little hiatus there, lots of family stuff going on, and it's hard to get everybody in the same room. It's it's a, it's a lot, and it's, um, you know, it's something that we need, uh, you know, it's some encouragement from the fans out there. If you want topics that you want to talk about or something in particular that message. comes up, shoot us a message. It'll yeah. light a fire on us to get uh, back in the recording studio. Oh, yeah, well, definitely. for me. For me, it's been the cost of gas. I can't. I can't drive to the studio anymore. Yeah, yeah. right. Rothbard Studio. Yeah, right, right. yeah. it is. You're out, out in the uh, what is this? Uh, Rumford out here is uh, technically or are you, yeah. yeah undisclosed location. Yes. I'll have to bleep that out. Oh, sorry, sorry. I know a little bit. To get the village in East Providence. We're getting a little too specific. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They should, yeah, they found one third of the libertarians in Rhode Island. Yeah, exactly. They're congregated in one spot. Oh, no, yeah, that's it's dangerous. Yep. dangerous ideas might uh, might come out of that. Yeah, yeah we've been going up to uh, to uh, do a little. Dad, bra- dad bragging here. We're going up to Worcester was um, racing season for my, my daughter's a rower uh, in college, and um, so every every weekend we were going up for that, and they they did really well. And they they're literally she just they just flew down to um, Florida for the NCAA championships. They, they just landed a couple of hours ago. So awesome. Very so yeah, cool. so hopefully they do well down there, and uh, you know come back with a a, a good place. I, they got some stiff competition, so we'll see. Rhode Island's actually down there too. Um, yeah. yeah, URI's down there. They've got um, their Division One, so they they've got a mm. um, a um, a different uh, a lot of boats in Division One. It's huge. Yeah, it, I think it's like fifty something boats that are. Hey, and in down Florida, my uh, my my niece actually is big into rowing down there. Mm. And this is really big down there. I guess the, the, even with the youth programs and stuff yeah. like that, which is interesting. So yeah, yeah. Good in Sarasota, I think they're in Sarasota is where the this year's race. It rotates around, but yeah, 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 yeah very cool. Yeah, so yeah. that's neat. The closest that I get to rowing is I go down to Colt State Park and watch. The- and I always wait for that Dell's lemonade truck oh, <laughs> to pull okay. up. Yeah, you know, I'm watching the boats go through. And what's more Rhode Island than Dell's? Right? Well, I used to work there when I was younger. Yeah, I love it. Cor- correct me if I'm wrong. Is it Dell's that's the official drink or is it coffee milk? I can't remember. I know there was a debate it, several years I, I ago. I thought it was both. I thought they did they compromise? Differ- differentiate. Well, we've got know. like seven different genres of official state music now in the yeah. current legislation. So. No. State foods, state, yeah. <laughs> An appetizer and and the drink and yeah. I don't know is either is either one I guess a coffee milk is a drink but is Dell's technically a drink I don't know it, oh that's like a hot dog is a sandwich yes, right like exactly. yeah, yeah it's <laughs> that's a, more a good... of a slushy or is a solid liquid I don't know that's a good we should question. do a poll I can tell you I, I again I've, I've made many gallons of Dell's lemonade in my history so I know a lot about it I, I mm. it, 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 it depends if you if you drink it with the straw you know you're from out of town so if you're if you're yeah. just uh you know using the cup and bending it and that's, you know that's the key and shake the shake. Yeah, it's the not shimmy. really it's not really liquid in that form though. So no. I don't know. It's yeah. I mean, we've only been here since 2014. So the first time we got Dells, we're like, where the fuck's a straw? <laughs> I, you know. Yeah. <laughs> well, we it, Dells, you had to ask for the straw before it was cool to ask for the straw. Yeah. So <laughs> before it was mandatory. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can't even go to McDonald's now and get a straw. No. So, I, I guess the liquid are you gotta follow the science, right? If, whether yeah. it's a drink or if it's a oh. yeah. Yeah follow the science on yeah. that. Well, I told Sean, I tell him the story about uh, why I had to quit Dell's Lemonade and it had to do with inflation. Um, so uh, I worked in, I grew up in uh, the Quinnick Island and I worked for the 
Middletown, Newport, uh, Dells Lemonade down in uh, the beaches down in Middletown, uh, Surfers End in uh, on Third Beach, and what would happen was is that it was the greatest job in the world because everybody's on the beach and every size of lemonade ended in a 25 cent or a 75 cent and you know you're making change and people would end up with quarters and they don't want to put quarters in their bathing suit yeah so i'd make like 300 dollars in tips a day it was great damn so i'd go up at the end of uh, the season everything's great i come back the next year and when you know the boss raised the price of lemonade and instead of it being must be greedy yeah, well <laughs> Yeah, the cost of lemons, I guess, yeah. you know, <laughs> uh, and this is back in, you know, God, this has got to be in the early 2000s. Anyway, long story short is he raised the prices to it was sort of like a dollar twenty five, a dollar seventy five. It went from a dollar fifty to two dollars and then in 50 cent increments. And then instead of getting change with every order, most people just said, well, I'll just up it to the uh, rounded off dollar, two dollar lemonade instead of the dollar fifty one. And my tips dropped. Uh, like crazy and i wow. said well you know i'm getting to the age where uh, i can't just be hanging out on the beach slinging lemonade anymore so i went and got a real job but uh but yeah that's inflation it has it happens and it affects the workers in unexpected ways and price uh, changes have big effects that people don't anticipate so wow, it's like we've learned a lot of these lessons in the past yeah. right and yeah don't tell the socialists yeah <laughs> well I, I guess it was because of the greedy uh, business owner uh, increasing right. yeah. the must thing. have been yeah. Yeah. nothing to do with the cost of goods no and, or yeah. insuring materials a bunch of teenagers driving gas. around trucks and that are built in the 1960s with holes in the sides <laughs> of them and stuff like that to serve lemonade and fill, fill the hundreds and thousands of gallons of lemonade too that's <laughs> not hundreds uh. of thousands that, I don't know. Anyway, yeah. a lot of hundreds, <laughs> hundreds yeah. of gallons and thousands know. and yeah. thousands. Of yeah. Pounds. Well, we've got even bigger numbers to talk about. So yep. yeah, I think it was last episode. We equated our state debt and spending metrics in uh, the value of Greg's delicious chocolate cake. So mm. I figured this time we'll figure out, well, how many cups of Dell's it is. Oh, so man. I haven't adjusted for inflation. So you got to excuse me here, but uh, let, let's assume that you go to well, Dell. by the end of the podcast. That's going to change anyway. <laughs> so. Right. Let's assume if you went to Dell's uh, uh, later today um, and you grabbed a cup, it's like three bucks. Right. Um, so, so far this year, the state has spent an equivalent of four billion eight hundred fifty two million seven hundred seventy four thousand cups of Dell's lemonade. And that that's continuing to go up. Wow. And then, you know, on top of that, we've asked our grandchildren to pay for uh, probably about four point two billion cups of Dell's lemonade. I think I'd just rather have the Dell's lemonade. Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny you say that because you're actually, at least you can quantify something to where you're actually getting that intrinsic value, mm -hmm. right? You have, you have that Dell's in your hand where the rest of the states state spending, you don't, you don't know if you're getting anything. Unfortunately, yeah. you know, it is the marginal utility aspect of there's only so much Dell's lemonade you can enjoy before it becomes yeah. worthless. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Yeah. But yeah. that's uh, eye-opening for sure. I mean, geez. Yeah. And to consider you gotta, they're going to raise the beach fees on you this year. You're not even going to get a free Dell's Lemonade. You're going to just be paying this extra money. It's, uh, it's kind of a yeah. kick in the pants. Yeah. You, you know, it, it might be uh, you know silly how we're putting this, but it's just to show how obscene this level of state spending for one million people. Yeah. Well, it depends on the census. I guess you got to say, is it more? Is it well, there's less? A five, there's a 5% error that gets us within the margin, which keeps our, yeah. our seat. And, you know, make sure that we get the right electoral votes for uh, Gina when she runs for president next year. Oh, I'm sorry. Is that not supposed to be talked about? Um, all right, sorry. Oh, sorry. Uh, the one last, one last thing I wanted to bring up is we have uh, it's been a little bit since our last episode. So I did look up, and uh, if you guys check out that episode, you, you can tell that we've spent uh, $58 million since since. We weren't gone that long. <laughs> it wasn't well, that long. No, exactly. but, uh, the, it's a little while, but not that long. 
Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, man. Well, yeah. That's uh, that's a shame. Um, speaking of shames, uh, so as we typically talk about when it's coming up towards this time of year, uh, Memorial Day weekend, right? So, which um, you know, a lot of people. Um, uh, you know, it's, it's a, it's a, you know, long weekend chance to, you know, cook some burgers and some hot dogs, but you know, the, the reality of it, especially for some, uh, you know, amongst veterans and you see it a lot on social media, although I've been off social media for a while now, but, um, the idea that what it, what it really stands for, right. And it's, it's the cost of <clears throat> our foreign policy to, to, you know, to be you know blunt. Um, and there was an interesting thing you guys, we, we shared this, um, on Twitter and, Many of you listening might have heard this, but we're going to play it again. An interesting thing: um, George Bush was speaking at the uh, the George Bush Institute, which is a thing apparently. Mm. Um, you know, the George Bush Jr. Is that where he hangs <clears throat> up all his paintings? Yeah, yeah. I guess he's the artist, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, but I've heard a couple of other um, you know libertarian podcasters talk about. It. I think Dave Smith. I know. Um, I, I think the when I saw it, it was from Scott Scott Horton had shared it and and whatnot. But uh, interesting comments. Um, George Bush. Speaking about um, about Ukraine, but but listen to uh, what happens when the your inside thoughts slip out accidentally. Here, let's see if we can play this. Russian elections are rigged. Political opponents are imprisoned or otherwise eliminated from participating in the electoral process. The result is an absence of checks and balances in Russia and the decision of one man to launch a wholly unjustified and brutal invasion of Iraq. I mean, of Ukraine. Iraq, anyway. Uh, Whoops. <laughs> 75. Uh, oh. Oh. Tons of color. So, yeah. Rough. So, again, you know, it's it's... It's like the inside voice, you know, slipped out accidentally. It's there. like you want to laugh, but then you just think about it and it's not funny. It's not. It's not. No. It's, and that's the point, right? Like, and the, to hear the audience laugh at it and then for him to blame it on his age and, and, and all that stuff. And, and, and what was the and, cost of that? And right? he's, he's, he's younger than Biden. is. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. And I've heard, oh, I forget who I was listening to. Someone was saying, you know, they think they almost think that they it might have been staged for him to slip, so it takes some of the pressure off of Biden. <laughs> I, I don't think they're that smart. You no. Know? And <laughs> something else was interesting hearing him talk again. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, remembering what it was like to listen to him to give a speech was was uh, was painful sometimes. But um, but but again, getting back to it, like you know, you want to laugh at it because it's just so it's so absurd. I think is it's laugh and cry at the same time, right? Like you don't yeah. know whether to yeah. laugh or cry. But the reality of it is what 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 happened. As a result, you know, and that here they are trying to, again, and I'm not saying Putin's innocent, but no. any, any stretch again, I, I think we can mostly agree or I, I don't want to speak for you guys, but you know, I'm against the war on both sides, right? Yep, like, yep. I, you know, I don't, I don't support Ukraine no more than I support or, Russia or NATO. and, and or, exactly. So it's I, the fact that uh, that tribal aspect of people saying they have to take a side, you don't have to take a side, nope. you know, there, there's, you can be against the entire, you know, debacle, but you know, what, what is the cost, right? Like, so what is, is the cost of war? You look at the, you know, since the, the beginning of the global war on terror, um, you, you know, U.S. military killed um, over 7,000 wounded, 53 um, 
53,000, that's service members, military. Then you add civilian contractors in, into that. Where Again, that becomes the, the military industrial complex. It's not just soldiers anymore, right? Like, because the way we've evolved our military, you have a lot of civilians on the battlefield. You've got mm-hmm. another 3,400 civilians killed, another 39,000 wounded there. And that's just the U.S. cost, right? Like, and that's a very small portion of this. Right? Like be, again, Americans being living in a bu- bubble from, for the most part, don't realize that they've estimated total casualties uh, since, since this all started was o- over nine, depending on what, what stat you read, but you're looking anywhere from 900,000 to above a million, some, mm-hmm. some numbers, you know, other numbers a little bit lower than that, but regardless, they're, disgusting numbers right like well and then on top of that all the the ancillary and the second well, ring out and every, all the ripple effects that happen from those initial you know casualties is, is not accounted that's got to be number. impossible to even yeah. quantify you know i mean they can't even keep track of the budgets or the know, census have a lot of sc- <laughs> yeah <laughs> there's so many things like that so i can only imagine the the true impact of you know these policy decisions yeah. at the end of the day and and that's the other aspect of this is treasure right before i want to touch on Bill's point just made, but is the $8 trillion spent during this time period, right? Like mm-hmm. that's, that's just another insane thing. But to Bill, to your, your point, which is another thing I wanted to attach to that was that of those 900,000 people that have been killed, you know, how many, you know, I, I try to put people in, in put, put yourself in their shoes. If, if someone, a foreign country invaded you and killed your daughter and wife or father and, you know, son Mm -hmm. would you not want to get back you know so what what have you just incubated not to mention that's what that was the the start of this to begin with the blowback yeah the the blowback blowback. yeah exactly blowback a good um book to read but you know ron paul y'all literally just stole my line (laughs) yeah ron Ron paul has been preaching that for decades and decades and you know again a lot of us have became libertarians as a result of that I know it's cliche at this point, but the Ron Paul Giuliani moment on stage when, you know, and and I was someone who was fresh back from overseas at that point. And that started me thinking like it started me. I was a neocon back then. Right. Like we, you know, the U S doesn't do any wrong. And, you know, I, when I was overseas, I looking at seeing things and justifying it saying, well, you know, that, you know, uh, seeing kids walking down the street with their backpacks on going to school. I'm like, well, that's why we're here. Right. So they can go back to school but not thinking a step beyond that and saying, well, that little kid walking to school might've lost two thirds of their family and mm-hmm. they're going to grow up not with, without a father, you yeah. know, or, or something like that, you know, just kind of trying to, in my own mind, rationalize why, you know, why and make it, make it a noble cause. Cause nobody wants to be, be the bad guy, right? Like it's just human nature. So anyway, I don't get off on a tangent there, but yeah, so there is a real cost here and you know, something we probably won't see, the results of for generations to come. So, yeah, it's, you know, just a, a one point on that. Uh, last year when we were talking about the same topic, I want to say it was uh, with heightened tensions with Israel and Pakistan. And yep. I want to say, you know, just to tie in another libertarian concept here is that it's all derived from the Federal Reserve, right? And, you know, our, our central banking and, and the way that our currency is, is you know, printed at a whim to, you know, right now in the past couple of years, we've really seen it for the pet projects, everything with COVID. We've also seen the impacts of that increased money supply. But all these acts of aggression are literally fueled by all that stuff. We we uh, we pay up front for a lot of the arms that we send to all these people. How's Ukraine getting all this stuff? Mm-hmm. Yep. Right. So it's it's uh, 
The, the, the horrible part about this is we're talking about the same topic over and over, but it's in a different uh, international conflict. And that's why we got to, you know, advocate for bringing the troops home and, and stopping all this and adopt, uh, you know, a foreign policy of non-intervention. And, yeah. and that's the terrible point. And again, to differentiate the uh, libertarian position from the typical neocon position, they're the ones uh, that are in uh, Congress, in the Senate, and they're up there cheering on us, sending these uh, military equipment and $40 billion of aid, uh, military aid to Ukraine to go fight Russia. And of course, everybody empathizes with Ukraine. Nobody thinks that Russia should be invading sovereign territory Correct. and taking over uh, anything. And, you know, you support them in in different ways that you can, but you know, we're sending billions in dollars of equipment and we're going to end up arming whoever end up uh, conquering the land and whatever's left with it. Same way we did in Afghanistan <laughs> and left all the, the military equipment there. And, and who ends up paying the cost for all this is, it's the United States taxpayer. And, you know, I was listening uh, to the radio on the way over here and they were talking about the poll numbers and how uh, right after in February, when they first invaded uh, the support, we should have sanctions and nobody was, thinking of the cost. Uh, but, you know, as gas prices have started to rise and everything like that, people are starting to say, well, you know, we should prioritize the U.S. interest first. And I think what that is response is saying is that we shouldn't be, uh, you know, listening to the politicians and just accepting the fact that this, you know, this war in Ukraine is a is responsible for their bad government governance. This is this is the chickens have come home to roost. They printed trillions of dollars during the pandemic. They sent out stimulus checks. They they've sent shut down the economy. They kept people home. They they've perverted the entire economy. And, and now they're going to use this as a as a useful scapegoat. People aren't buying it. And the only thing we're doing is pushing us closer to a larger war. Right. Here, well, you got Taiwan, China, just recently thing. in the past yeah. couple of days, yeah. right? It's starting to heat up, and yeah. I got to say, that was a really lofty way to just say Putin tax hike. Yeah, right. Exactly. Which is, again, you know, we can joke about that, but it's the, the fact that they tried to push it off on that. It's there's a certain level People of evil can't be and it. disgusting. You know, I don't know. I can't think of the, the, the you know, harsh enough words to describe yeah. how, how, how you, know, didn't, you know, bad it is when they when they do that. And, you know, something else I just that aggravates me and I see this often, you know, especially on social media, which is partly why I'm not on anymore, but is how, how much individual Americans tie their egos to American foreign policy, right? Yeah. Like if America's not strong, I'm not strong mm -hmm. as an individual and therefore, you know, I'm weak yeah. you know? and it has nothing to do with projecting, you know, mass murder on, uh, you know, another, society or you know country and its people to to make you feel better about your own I, I, I've shortcomings i've never seen so many ukrainian flags and i'm sure like half these people couldn't pick ukraine out on a map mm -hmm. before this all happened and somebody told them that there's people they should be caring for and again you know again you know empathize sympathize and feel you know compassion for the people of ukraine but right. you know they're not all angels of, uh, you know, people. Uh, and there's all sorts of, and again, I'm like sitting there trying to go down any conspiracy rabbit holes, but there's documented, you know, evidence that there are, you know, certain people that are, are, are kind of antithesis of what uh, some of these, uh, you know, woke progressives are, are, are promoting here in the right. United States, but they're yeah. here supporting without even question, just because that's what they've been told to do. And that's, right. that's a scary proposition as yeah. well, too. It's again, that tribalism. Right? Yes, exactly. And, and how about... People in Russia, right? The yeah. sanctions on Russia. There are just citizens that live going about their daily business in Russia, you know, that just want to live their life and that are now, you know, 
feeling the impact of of sanctions. Oh, you know, and, and that, like so, it happens on both sides. You know, it's it's kind of not helpful for them. I mean, it doesn't. No. Make, it's not fair for the average everyday Russian who who wants to wish that because they're the ones that are going to feel. But the oligarchs aren't being significantly impacted by these sanctions. Right. You know, if they get a yacht tied up in Italy or something like that, it's like boo hoo. But you know, if like you're an, if you're a, a person that lives in Moscow and you're an average you know working person and you're uh, you know your job got you know McDonald's or whatever Starbucks pulled out of Russia and you lost your job and now you get to work for the uh, whatever the state government have you seen the uh, uh, Russia came up with their own versions of Coca-Cola Sprite and Fanta oh, yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah. it's worth like a big, Google yeah, yeah. It's, it's pretty entertaining but it's yeah no but that's you know so now you get to work for the state you're, you're, you're going backwards you were providing them uh, access to capitalism and the benefits of it now right. you've, you've taken that away from yeah. them and you're gonna and, and you know they pointed to how the ruble crashed right after the sanctions all started it rebounded the yeah. average everyday Russian this nothing really changing other than they're not a few of their name brands are gone from their shelves and I mean yeah. God it's not that great in Russia to begin with I were so we're told so yeah. you know what the heck no. I think this is just a, another sidebar for you know like you know these sanctions the tariffs you know all these different things um and we could we could really go down the road with the whole baby formula thing mm-hmm. and, and you oh, know, government God. regulation and tariffs we'll, we'll save that for another episode <laughs> but you know it's one of those things like we've this is a tactic that we've tried and we've used and oh well this is we'll apply force and we'll do this and you know all these things that we're doing we're arming you know the countries around the border we're bringing more people into nato we're doing all these things that you know you know if that happened in canada or mexico we would well, cuba cuba it happened right it, it happened <laughs> yeah. that's literally how we were like hey you you, you guys can't do that mm-hmm. absolutely not that's too close to home so it's very interesting to see the uh the irony in, in a lot of these situations here. And I hope next year we don't have to talk about this. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure. And I, and I guess bottom line, when we're hanging out this, this weekend and having a good time and drinking beers, spending time with family, which you should do, right? Like, uh, yeah, fully, fully endorse doing that. Um, just consider that, you know, the, the cost that, uh, that, that this, this all, um, has had on our, you know, society. So exactly. our country. All right. Well, yeah, it's next. Do we well, have anything good to talk about? Well, Jeez. let's let's let's, let's uh, <laughs> lighten it up a little bit here. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, uh, I, I I saw an article in the Province Journal. It came out uh, last uh, on my birthday, believe it or not, back in May, and um, it, it was basically it was outlining the housing crisis that's crippling uh, Black Island in, oh, in the future of, of the rest of Rhode Island. Well, I I it was optimistic because you know. Um, as much as they bemoan the uh, the problems that are happening on Black Island, uh, they seem to outline some pretty uh, interesting solutions that uh, uh, I, I seem to think might uh, uplift look, our spirits a little bit. They look familiar. Yep. So anyway, uh, so, you know, uh, the, the, for those of you that don't know, Black Island's a very small community. Uh, you know, it's like a thousand locals, they say, are actually run that live there year round that run the, the hospitality industry and stuff like that. Um, and but uh, during the winter, it's just like, uh, you know, Narragansett and you know any other college town or any other uh, vacation community or anything like that. Uh, you know, it's easy to get a vacation, uh, a rental in the wintertime. But when the summertime vacations prices go up and a lot of the year round residents get displaced and they do what's called the Black Island shuffle where they start crowd surfing and they, you know, going or to their couch surfing rather and uh, going to neighbors and you know it's really uh, that's it's a problem because uh, you know you can't live your life like that for you know certain months of the year three four months out of the year you're just displaced and uh, living out of a suitcase (laughs) Um, but 
considering that the uh, the numbers on Black Island are so low, you, you'd think they'd have this figured out. Um, and historically, you know, Black Island has done a better job than the rest of the state doing this stuff. So they're actually a, a case study in this compared to the other states in the country. So it was interesting that they, uh, they, they pulled all this together. Uh, but the average... Uh, medium hole, so a medium sales price for a home is one point two million dollars out in Black Island, believe it or not, and that makes sense for a little bit. You got to yeah. take into a fact that uh, the land is more expensive, and we'll get into that a little scarcity bit more. Scarcity resources, scarcity resources. You're on an yeah. island; you don't yeah. have as much land as you do out on the mainland. So that's that's obviously a thing. It's a it's a vacation spot, so there's a high demand because there's beautiful beaches and yeah. amenities, um, and there's also um, uh, the idea that. Uh, it, the cost of construction is higher. You got to bring everything up yeah. by ferry, and you know everything, even the groceries and stuff like that, are more sure. expensive out there. Um, but you know, as a result, in order to attract people to come work out on the island, you got to afford them raise salary. Well, high sa- higher yeah. salary. Well, yeah. that makes sense too. All right, so 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 if you're going to want to have people work on the island, you're going to have to pay them more money. Is basically what they're saying. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so we, we've we've set that pretty good. So. Uh, Locals are, are saying that uh, the, the Housing Works is this uh, group of uh, people that are trying to solve this issue out in Rhode Island. And uh, according to the Housing Works, there is just under uh, the medium household income for full-time residents in New Shoreham, which is Block Island, is just under $60,000, according to Rhode Island. So you're not going to buy any million-dollar home with a uh, median salary of $60,000. But in order to qualify for what would be you know, considered an affordable housing at $1.2 million, you need to make $270,000 a year. So that's a big gap to make up. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, so back in the 1990s, uh, this was starting to be a problem. So uh, Block Island, uh, they did something that most communities don't do. Uh, they started allowing people to build ancillary dwellings in garages, barns, the like, and stuff like that, and turn them into rental units on mm. the condition that they were going to be used for just, uh, you know, house uh, uh, people that work on the island and stuff like that. Uh, so right there... It outlines that what was the problem in the first place. The uh, zoning regulations prevented people from creating affordable housing for right. people in the things. And so they, they, they lessened up that restriction and that seemed to ease Alleviate, the problem. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, uh, with the rise of Airbnb and stuff like that, most people started renting those to Airbnb people instead of the, the residents and they were making money on that. In addition, as the price of the houses went up, uh, the, uh, uh, the, the, clientele i guess the people buying the houses we started to get more and more uh higher and higher and yeah. and rich people don't tend to want locals living in their garage you know on their right. property they just would rather have it be a guest house for when uh, you know their uh, buddy from new york comes up or something like that so yeah. so those those places disappeared too so uh so that's interesting that the you know the one of the solutions you know again got ta- taken up but um a lot of this has been uh, exacerbated because of speculating, just like the housing market right now. Apparently, a lot of these people from New York are saying, hey, compared to Nantucket and Martha's Vineyard, Block Island seems like a pretty good deal. And so they're driving up the cost of value. Um, interestingly, um, this is a, uh, another government problem that's been created um, because the, the problem is, is that one of the main goals of the efforts out on Black Island is preserving open land and open space. And so a percentage of new uh, business, uh, new home transfers is like 1%. I'm trying to find the actual number. Uh, but there's like, it, it, it's a couple million dollars a year that gets generated, uh, a, a reallocating, oh, so hold on, I'm sorry. Uh, a, a good 
good portion of all land transfers. So with sales of property of multi-million dollars homes goes to a f- open space in the land trust to buy more property. So now the land trust is getting millions of dollars every year to buy more property. What's that doing? It's creating less buildable land and creating and increasing the value of the remaining property right. that's on, on, on site. Uh, in addition to that, when you designate some area as open space, uh, what does that do? It makes the adjoining property that much more valuable right. because it's now never going to get built next to it. So that's also driving the cost up. Meanwhile, uh, the affordable housing is funded by a tax on short-term rentals. It only generates about $100,000 a year. So uh, what do they end up doing? Uh, when it's time to do a loan, uh, they give it out a loan for like $200,000 and they don't do the next loan until they get paid back from that first loan. Mm. So when you're building a $1.2 million home, you know, $200,000 is, is a, a real issue. So anyway, the, the, the whole thing, and, and again, I, I don't want to spend a ton of time on this to, to make it uh, uh, think, but they, 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 they bring up a lot of interesting topics about ways that they've come to do it. Uh, the medical facility cre- built a special housing for doctors to come out and live on the island because, again, they don't need a doctor living out there full of the year. They only need it like, you know, different uh, peak seasons kind of thing. Um, same thing with uh, uh, the, there's a um, uh, there's the Champlain Marina. Uh, just bought a big uh, multi-unit uh, complex to house their workers that work out on the marina during the summertime as well, too. Of course, that displaced a bunch of, uh, you know, low, that was a good rental opportunity. So they're they're blaming the, uh, the, the, the contractor about doing this. But again, you're out on Block Island. There's restrictions on the type of home you can build, the, how many units and all this other stuff like that. So they're, you're preventing the affordable housing. Uh, there's not enough land. There's not enough thing. And, and the only way you end up doing it is through these government means and stuff like that and and my whole takeaway from this article was is that every time they come up with a solution it's the answer is the free market it's and it's like yeah yeah you need to increase salaries out here so that people can afford to live out here and if it costs that much more and and it's that's the cost of it and you know and that's the 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 whole entire the way the things uh the work and the bottom line is that all this government intervention is doing nothing but creating a situation where you're going to have this beautiful vistas 50 percent of the land is going to be preserved on black island for open space and there's going to be just a handful of uh, of rich people from new york that come and enjoy it uh, two or three weeks out of the year and then the rest of the year the place is going to sit vacant with nothing on it and that's good what you're going to end up with and it's sad but that's that's the honest truth and I, and I, again I, I don't know if that's uh, was as lighthearted as you guys were, were thinking of but <laughs> no it's a little yeah. more doom and gloom but yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's like you're t- it's just basic again economics this is like an Aust- austrian econo- economist you know dream should probably send that to rob Mur- robert murphy yeah um to, as oh, a, seriously, to, yeah. to write a white paper but like you know you're taking a scarce resource because it's a, like a little microcosm right you're taking an already scarce resource and implementing policies that making things even more scarce and then therefore you know um yeah uh, speeding up the process of you know of, of what what naturally occurs right? yeah like if you just let it be it would naturally things would you know you might have peaks right you might drive up the cost but then it's going to have to something's going to have to give and the market will take care of that and mm-hmm. and things will go down right like it'll 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 eventually make you know come to an equi- equilibrium and and go from there right like it's just yeah, intervention just seems to be yeah it, it seems like in this case the the policies that are being put in place just compounds the issue over and over yeah. again yeah. so when when is that bubble gonna burst well so well, that's a good point yeah. it's great that you said that because that was going to be the point that i brought up the best 
thing I love about this issue is that it pits the affordable housing people versus the environmentalist people when usually they're in the same camp, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, you have the environmentalist people that are like the land trust people that want the open space. And like, well, we got that. And they, and they talk about how the local officials, are they balk at uh, trying to pit these two initiatives against each other. And one of the solutions is take some of that land trust money and divert it to affordable housing. And the land trust people are like, oh, no, I don't want you messing with our tax revenue. Like, we got this little nice little thing. And, 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 you know, we can buy all this land and do all these things that we want to do. And, and, and we'll... we'll We'll, we'll create these programs where we might help out some affordable issues on our own terms, but we don't want you to defund any of our own things. And then the same thing, they're going to go ahead and what? Raise the, the, the tax on short-term rentals. It's just going to create this other cy endless cycle and you're just driving up the cost. Yeah. And, and again, it's, Inflation happens uh, and the people who are getting early, they make the money on it. And then everybody else feels the brunt of the after effects mm -hmm. of it. And what you're seeing here is that there's government intervention that's driving the cost of everything right. up higher than it already was high because it's on an island to begin with. And now you're all the little people are feeling the effects from it. And of course, the, the, the <clears throat> hardcore left is going to blame the rich people that are moving there for, yeah. for doing it. Right. But not realizing that it's the policies, the government yeah. that they cherish so much is really the one causing the problem well yeah. it, it it seems to me like you know if the cost is that high and everything like that they should build more houses and why yeah. can't they build more houses well they 50 percent of the land is open space and the rest of them have all sorts of crazy zoning restrictions because if you ever been to block island yeah. they're all the houses that look exactly the same they're yeah. all like it's like a big homeowners association out there <laughs> oh, it, it's so i mean realistically Go out there, let people build houses for the need. And, you know, if somebody builds a big apartment unit on Black Island, it's not the end of the world. Yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> you know, a couple things come to mind with that. Eventually, because of all this stacking, the, the incentive of being on the island is going to start to go away. Yeah. Right. Especially when you're you have like the these type of barriers to even get on or to live there or to work there. And then, you know, as these taxes come up, they have to pass it off. So then less and less people are going to, you know, you know, the, the peasants right, are going to actually enjoy some of that stuff there. The other thing that I think of is uh, my, my time in the military. So I was forward deployed in Diego Garcia, which is a little mm. tiny island in the Indian Ocean. Yep. And uh, how they did it, it, it was a British-owned island. We rented a good portion of it from them in the U.S., and uh, they brought a bunch of, uh, you know, uh, people from the Philippines and they set up their own little villages. It was, you know, out of the way of the island. And they, and they you know, that they staffed the island on the basis of that. So they, you know, at least from a, you know, hindsight perspective, they, they had the infrastructure in there to facilitate, you know, what that, that core infrastructure needed to be there. And, and, you know, you don't, you don't need the government or anything to, to solve that. But the, right now the government is getting in its own way when it's trying to, come up with this brain trust to fix this problem that they caused, right? There's, there's many solutions. People want to work. Right. People, people are willing to work. Block Island is gorgeous. And there's, there's a lot of good opportunities for a bunch of different people there. Well, as gorgeous as Block Island is, if you went out there and there was no restaurants, no bars, and you just went and rented a house and sat on the beach, yeah, some people would like it, but it would lose its appeal pretty quickly. Yeah. If you, you didn't have anybody, hotels out there, mm -hmm. the tourism, and again, it's like any 
economy. You start pulling out bottom uh, the pieces of the foundation that the whole thing's going to start to crumble. And then there's going to be nothing less. The houses aren't going to be worth anything. And then business will come back. And again, that's not, you know, again, it's not, uh, it, it sounds like it's a, uh, a drastic thing, but what's more drastic? Having that happen naturally, uh, like over time with market forces or to have this big bubble be formed like because of like right. until it's a big problem. And again, yeah. like I said, Black Island is one of the better state uh, it's towns in the state that are doing this yeah. like they actually have it figured out but this is the same problem that's that's irking everybody and you know what the other problem with affordable housing we've touched on this before so i'm not going to go crazy with it but the standards that the state requires to qualify for affordable housing make not only that inc- that increases the cost of construction so that now in order to comply with all these things i laugh when you look at all these uh you know commercial uh jobs the uri we talked about they have um you know they're building a new dorm or something like that and they'll go ahead and there'll be uh, incentives to get it lead certified which means that you're like lead gold lead silver lead platinum and it means that you've used certain economic or uh, environmentally friendly uh you know methods of you know sure, yeah. insulation and mm. rain gardens and diverting rainwater and uh, uh, optimizing you know heating and stuff like that and and in the end the 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 energy savings don't justify the cost of doing this right. the only thing that justifies the cost of doing this is the additional money you're getting from the grant from the government for doing this and then you get to show up at some conference at the end of the year and say hey i'm lead platinum certified look at me as a yeah. as a as an architect i can stick some trophy on my wall yeah. and i mean that's that's really what it boils down to so when this comes to stuff out on black island but i mean i can't i'm, I'm trying to go through my nose to find the number it's it's not that many people that like a thousand people that live on the island there's only a, a there's a, a number of them that are, are having this issue like you know what, what the people that are doing the block island shuffle with all the money they're spending on this stuff build them a damn house like just give it to them like you know like at this point we've we spent like three times as much as it would cost just to, yeah. just to build it, it, it would be them. cheaper and it would solve more issues <laughs> yeah. right then it's worth it Jeez. get rid of the whole department right <laughs> save us this uh Anyway, yeah. Um, so going on to something you, you had said, Sean, about the brain trust, right? Like, so the idea that the government, you know, a couple of minds within the government can make, uh, come up with an idea, right, that that will solve the problem, right? Whereas the free market, you know, solution would be thousands, hundreds, whatever, however many people you can, can get to come up with different ideas, all working together, competing against each other, and therefore the best ideas tend to come out ahead and that and that and that's what works right are you saying that if you, like so, if you don't have like a housing star that one person that's supposed to solve it right it, it's not it, it, more it, ideas come from more people with more solutions right that's exactly. crazy but but that's something that libertarians get beat up on a lot right like they're always people are always asking us so what's your solution to the yeah. problem well i don't necessarily have the solution i just know freedom will solve the problem yeah. right like the, the, I, why do i have to come up with this that's that's the whole point is the government doesn't have the solution if, if a libertarian is running for office, right? Like mm-hmm. it, 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 that's, that's the worst place to come up with the solution. And, you know, so I get kind of going on to what I'd like to talk about or we'll, we have a discussion about here is kind of the liberty movement and how, you know, we discuss things and how we, you know, position ourselves to promote our ideas. I don't know. Did you guys catch that podcast? It was a value podcast where it was Dave Smith, Larry Sharp, um, Spike Cohen, Spike Cohen yep. and then, um, uh, Vaughn, I think is her, her name. Um, uh, although they didn't let her talk at all, no. which is kind of weird. You know, <laughs> a little creepy. I'm like, dude, come on, be a gentleman. But anyway, 
I was a little frustrated watching that, especially when I was listening to Larry Sharp, who I, over the years I've, I've kind of admired to a certain degree. He, he gets out there and he does some good stuff, but he kept kind of pushing the fact that I, I don't talk philosophy, right? I like, I don't talk ideas. I don't talk, I come up with solutions, but you're running for office and I don't want to hear you come up with solutions, no. right? Necessarily. I mean, I, you can throw ideas out there and say, maybe this is a better way we can do it. But he kept kind of pushing that, and I thought that was kind of a little frustrating for me to, to, to hear him saying that. There are no solutions. There are only trade-offs, right? Right. Thomas <laughs> Sowell, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so that was a little frustrating. Just in general, the frustration with like how libertarians attack issues and 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 um, and, and do that stuff. We got the, the convention here coming up soon, but. Um, so within, I don't know, the Libertarian Party, I, again, we've got to differentiate between libertarians as a, a philosophy and libertarian as a political party, which adopts that philosophy, right? So we've got the big um, Mises Caucus movement within the Libertarian Party that's kind of has been frustrated with um, how things are going. And, uh, you know, I was a, an early member of the Mises Caucus. I know, Sean, you're involved. Mm-hmm. Um uh, I've stepped back just because of other things, but uh, but it's almost like I'm I'm kind of now stepped back and watching, and there's there's almost like a similar si- situation there where they're taking over, but they're trying to do the same things that they were complaining about before about expanding the movement. They're, they're talking about expanding the movement, but they're trying to keep all the movement under the umbrella of the Libertarian Party and do everything as, as part of the party, mm-hmm. which is, which is frustrating. And then you've got the whole celeb, I call them celebritarian, uh, celebritarians <laughs> where you've got, I find it interesting how many of those people have, you know, moved into the umbrella of the Mises caucus now to maintain their celebrity status, yep. you know, to, in order to promote, like, it's just rehashing the same thing. And we've talked about this before is the idea of expanding this, this movement outside of just politics. Right. And you've got to look at, you got to admire, I think for lack of a better term, the left and how they do things like they are strategically, I don't want to say genius, but they're, they're patient and they're, 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 you know, um, uh, uh, smart about how they do things. They're playing the long game, right? Mm-hmm. They're not playing the short game. We talk about things like critical race theory is a big issue now and all, just critical theories in general, whether it's race or gender or whatever it is. That's not something new. It's coming, seems to be coming to a head, but that's been going on for 50 years. Mm-hmm. You know, that whole process of infiltrating, you know, social groups and then getting into the colleges and universities at the higher levels. And then that trickling down to the teachers and that, then that trickling down into the classrooms and the, you know, like they're playing the, the, the strategic long game. And it's something that they're, they're proactive in their, in their tactics. Whereas take the right, for example, the right is so reactionary, right? Like well, by their very nature, they're conservatives, right? So right. they're trying to maintain the status quo and they're reacting to any changes to that status quo. So that's, that's exactly what their, their, their goal is. Yeah. So, and that's that to your point with the, the left and them, them uh, being, you know, uh, methodical and strategic about it. I, I, I'd push back a little bit about that. I don't necessarily think it's a, a, a kind of a, a of a, 
coordinator or any type of you know type of effort that's a conspiracy theory or anything like that i think it's more that they truly think that the answer to their problem is more government and that the only way if we get more people we could force people just to live like us the world would be a better place and that's the 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 the, the, the tragedy of the whole situation is that they, they just want to they're authoritarian they want to impose their views on everybody else and there's enough crazy people that get a little power on social media that will pick a pet cause and just spread filth in every direction. And that's basically what the uh, left has turned into right now. Yeah. I'd put, and I'd push back on that. I I think it's, it's strategic and planned. Um, It's, if you start looking into like um, revolutionary tactics, Mm -hmm. there, there are certain, and there's a chart I can probably share with you. A friend of mine shared it with me. If you look at the way counter guerrilla and, and revolutionary tactics are played out, it, it's there's a blueprint for it. And I think there's levels of people involved in this. There's the the useful idiots that are kind of in the middle or I'm sorry, the, at the bottom of the chain that just are, are going along like you're talking about. Mm-hmm. They, they're just pushing this agenda. They think they one, they think they're doing something that's good for, for people. They think they're helping people. There's the people kind of in the middle that that are are a little more aware of of um what they're you know what this is 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 about and they're the organizers and the you know more of the um the middle management if you will and then there's an upper echelon of 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 higher level thinkers that are putting multiple things in place and not all of it falls into place but some of it does and something i'd like to expand on probably um in more in depth maybe a good article or, or some research but it's certainly I think it's more, and I think that's part of the problem is we don't give them that credit and, and we're not looking at it as a, it's a war. It's, it's a cold war and the right is passive, right? Which is funny because they're so aggressive in things like foreign policy, but when it comes to things like, um, like, you know, uh, culture and, and stuff like that, the left will do whatever it takes to to advance their cause whether it's legal or illegal they don't care whereas the right won't do that they they won't they won't go and and fight um aggressively and i and i don't want to say libertarians are right i think one of my points here is that is the libertarians kind of follow the um um the the rights lead on that they kind of fall into that category and I think it's a missed opportunity for libertarians where they can start adopting. And I'm not talking about the dirty tactics of the of the left, but I'm saying the aggressive tactics of the left to start pushing things like liberty and getting more. in. like I said, um, the right kind of is election to election, right? Election will get all fired up about the election and everybody get once the election's over in the, you know, second week of November, it's everybody goes home and forgets about what they're doing until the next election comes around with the exception of, well, you even see it with, with like gun rights. When does everybody rally? When, when the, when the legislation is getting ready to drop on the floor of the, at the state house, mm-hmm. right? It's not, not to say there's nothing going on behind the scenes, but it's not this big push, right? It, whereas the, the left is nonstop aggressive over and over and, and hitting it every day, day in, day out. It's part of their life, you know? Um, so it's just, a, it's kind of a interesting observation and it's, I, I, I guess the question is why? So I was trying to think of why and more, more specific, cause I don't give a shit about the, uh, the right. Cause I, I, I don't want what they're pushing either. You know, good example of that is, um, um, 
what's her name? Patricia, um, Morgan. Patricia Morgan's Morgan tweet today. right before our, our podcast about <laughs> cannabis. Like you're missing the point here. It's nothing to do with people, whatever they do to, you know, with their lives is zero business. Why aren't you bitching about the growth in government and the taxes that this is going to, you know, come out of the economy? Yeah. It, it, but the, I guess the, 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 um, you know, it's, it's, it, <laughs> just some beer, beer's getting cracked open here, <laughs> but uh, I lost, I lost track of my thought. Let me, let me uh, yeah, hop in ahead, real quick. In. So I'll, I'll talk to the, the Mises stuff. I, I'd be remiss if I didn't, you mm. know, a- advocate my point towards them. So, and I, we can tie all that into Rhode Island, I think. So I, I do support what the Mises caucus is doing. If, if, if there are people online or listening that don't know what they are, give them, give them a quick search on Facebook. You might be interested in some of the stuff that they're putting out there. I, I don't remember the last time I renewed my Libertarian Party national membership. Yeah. Um, you know, so I'm not really all that interested in the stuff there. I'm more interested in the things that will impact me day to day that I can influence and change, which is here in the ocean state, um, to a certain extent. Uh, so I, I do, I do support the Mises caucus and the things that they're doing at the national level, but it is that nuance that you're talking about is very interesting because they're trying to use the party for that. Now their, their notion for that is okay. Well, the libertarian party is such a missed opportunity. It's been mismanaged. They put barriers in the way COVID. I mean, COVID, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. You, you could look at that. What, what's the name of the, the, the convention is your Liberty unmasked, yeah, yeah. you know, it's it's things like that so i can see the frustrations and i wish them all the best and being able to do it from there but let's let's flip this back to rhode island the stuff that i'm focused on um you know if you look at the left or the right uh here the left like there's like 500 different packs that the left has Mm -hmm. that are you know all separate but they're all kind of in cahoots to to do things very very single issue things and you so, know you get the Rhode Island Black Lives Matter the the queer pack the you know and then you get the all these different the leadership packs and all the leadership packs and exactly the city councils all, uh, the Democratic uh, Gina Raimondo was running the Providence City uh, Democratic Council or did it, Democratic Committee uh, pack she donated a bunch of money to them which basically bought them off because they they don't raise any money in the city and right. stuff like that no I I, I agree. And then that's 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 an issue. But the the the, the, the in Rhode Island, our issues is is so large with the with the, with the the left and the and and everything they do. But it's not so much the the PACs, in my opinion. It's more like the nonprofits and everything like that mm-hmm. that have been completely politicized and they use that to uh, to their advantage where you know you have this ready built-in ability that has a structure has a funding has a purpose and has people that are showing up to to help run that organization and then it's so easy just to pivot a little bit and to have them start helping on a campaign or help on a specific issue or they create a coalition which is my favorite thing that they do (laughs) where they combine a couple private businesses a couple nonprofits, a couple political action committees and now you got this thing called the coalition that's doing ads, political advocacy, and nobody can really tell where the money's coming from or how the nonprofits maintain their nonprofit status while being a part of this, but somehow it all just gets swept under the rug and nobody questions it. And that's like, that's I, by design. I, yeah, I, yeah I, and, and that's a great point, right? Like, and we've discussed this probably on the podcast before, if not on the podcast with, with each other, is the pro- uh, one of the problems I see is a lot of people will complain about that within within the libertarian movement and even on the right. I guess again, I'll, I'll, I'll even though we're not in the same, we're kind of against the same opponent. I guess so. That's you know the the you know the enemy of my enemy is my friend. But um, the the idea that complaining about them doing that 
why not do that? Like adopt their model and do it. Like a lot of um, people will complain about money in politics, but yet you're getting slaughtered at the polls, right? Like, yeah, that that money in politics is a problem, but if you're a libertarian, it doesn't matter. You're going to, you're based on a principle, not on a, on a, on a, on a paycheck. Hopefully, if not, you're going to get you're going to get ostracized within the liberty community for sure, you know. And people will point to think, but people like Bob Healy. Bob Healy was a unicorn, right? Like mm-hmm. he he did his campaign on again. I worked on the campaign very closely, and he he did it with the, the thirty five dollar thing and all that other stuff. Well, that really wasn't just thirty five bucks. It was everybody out in the community putting money in. That wasn't those were all in kind donations that should have been, you know, realistically claimed, but they weren't, right? There there was tens of thousands of dollars that went into that campaign that wasn't, you know, wasn't there were print shops printing signs that you could go pick up for free that were really campaign signs that should have been in kind donations yeah. to the campaign, right? Well, like, so, but again, I, I don't have problem. Like this, like I said, this, you got not you got to, but it should be viewed as it's a conflict, right? Especially on the political side, we talk on the political and I think we need to differentiate between the political side and the, the social and the artistic and like, these are all um, fronts in a war, if you will, mm-hmm. that, that need to be fought and it needs to spread out across. And to, to Sean's point earlier with the, all the packs and all this other stuff and the nonprofits, like you said, Bill are all out there. It's, it's all the, they're, they're fighting this on all different levels. They're playing, you know, the 4d chess and we're sitting playing checkers. And it's yeah. like, you need to start, I think, uh, uh, you know, start observing what they're doing. And again, they're probably, um, ethical and moral lines that that won't be crossed but there are certainly some some ideas that can be adopted and and start to use and we, and we are trying to do that within the liberty community yeah but the, the the issue is and i'll be harsh libertarians want to get off their fucking ass and get out there and do something well, right so, like it's so frustrating and you said that at the convention yeah like that was your frustration and we all share it yeah. like get off your fucking ass and do something get involved Right, right. Well, that's that's a hundred percent. But see, and and I I understand the struggle, right? Because the libertarian idea is that we we want to tax every organization like a nonprofit organization, right? We want to yeah. abolish these <laughs> campaign finance laws. Yeah. We don't want these barriers in place to to restrict anybody's uh, First Amendment right to donate money to a campaign to to support that person to get things. We think that the problem with election laws in this country isn't the campaign finance, but it's the fact that the governing officials have as much power as they have in the first place. They yeah. didn't have the power in the first place. No one would be spending any money to get them elected because it wouldn't be worth spending the money to get them elected. Yeah. So, you know, it, this is the struggle that we deal with trying to find libertarian candidates, trying to find people to get involved with the liberty movement is that most people, like we said, the, the left's answer to every problem is more government. The, the libertarian movement's answer is less government. So why the hell am I going to go ahead and get involved with my community? Why am I going to get on a board? Why am I going to go run for office when I don't think the government's doing a good job? And I mean, I'll just take a second right here and make a pitch why you should do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, as if you don't know, I'm on my town's Harbor Commission. I'm the representative to the Coastal Resources Management Commission. Um, I've run for office four times. Uh, I can tell you, Getting involved in your community, it 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 it, it steals your nerve and it it it, it, it hyper focuses you about the problems that you're seeing in your local community. If I I could do a whole two and a half hour episode about trying to get the harbor management plan, and that's been the, the life's work of my efforts, and that's I've been on the harbor management commission since 2013, and trying to get that approved and all the bureaucratic ridiculous hoops you have to drum through. But again, this 
not only uh, does it, it, it give you the ammunition and the cachet to go out and run for office and to, to know what you're actually talking about, but it actually gives you some influence in those uh, positions specifically where you can, you know, even if you're not changing things, mm. you're, you're bringing up the questions. I, right. I, I love asking libertarian questions in my Harvard Commission meeting because <laughs> everybody kind of looks around each other and scratches their head and goes... Yeah, like, you know, they kind of laugh about it and go, yeah, yeah, you're right. And then they kind of think about it and go, yeah, yeah, he's right. And then, like, you know, it's <laughs> like, and, and, and that, you know, it goes over time. You, you start going places, you start meeting with people. And again, then you start running for office and I knock on some people's door. And I can't tell you how many Republicans I've met said, well, you know, I'm really a libertarian. I sit there and say to myself, well, shit, why don't you register as a libertarian? Why don't you join the party? Why aren't you helping the cause? And it's because they're really not. They're not getting off their ass. They haven't yeah. bought into it. And I, I think when you realize, I think the big aspect that people listening to this podcast and people in Rhode Island and in the Liberty Movement uh, fail to put together is the personal responsibility aspect of the libertarian philosophy. Nobody's going to come and do it for you. You have to go and be the change you want to see in the world or whatever stupid cliche you want to throw out there. You have to go out and do the things that you want to see change. You want to do talk about stupid issues? Go start a podcast. We did it. Like you want to you want to start a, a nonprofit to go clean up roads? Hell, we got a letter from the governor saying that we did a good job yeah. and that's all we need is a, you know as libertarians a, a validation from uh the executive branches <laughs> what we're dying for over here so i mean but you know it, it just it goes to show you because hell you know you got a hell of a story when you go and start uh is pushing your libertarian philosophies and they start asking you well who's going to take care of my roads uh if you got rid of the government and you say well as a matter of fact the government says that we're uh qualified to take care of that road and even so much that we got commendation from not only the governor but the director yeah. of the dot that said we did a great job so the answer is right there in front of you You just got to go out and grab it yeah <laughs> you know and i and i'm no constitutionalist or 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 you know worshiper of the founding fathers but there was a what was the the the, the quote our 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 lives our fortunes our sacred honor right like mm -hmm. you know you have to make you're going to have to make sacrifices to advance Otherwise, where are you going to find yourself, right? Like you're, we we are we literally have socialists like open, not even you know, not even hyperbolic, right? They they are members of the DSA, Democratic Socialists of America, running for office in office. Morales is in office, you know that like these are people in our government right now. There's. I think we were talking about that the library that's in in Providence, oh, the, the, red, the, the red library, library. <laughs> like you know, and and it's like <laughs> it's it's out in the open now. It's not even like a suburb, a submersive sub. And this is part of that model that I was talking to you about. Um, it's it's not even out in the in a subversive thing anymore. It's right. it's out in the open, and um, I think uh, I'm sorry. Quick sidebar. Yeah, go ahead. Because I get I get I, before we I, we forget about this. Uh, they were questioning because the BLM pack hasn't filed their campaign finance report this mm. uh, yet this quarter, and uh, most of their uh, expenses for the hundreds of thousands of dollars. Or whatever Are they trying to balance the books on? on like, well, a mansion it goes in Rhode to, Island it, or it something. It goes to staff costs, which again, hmm. the political action committee needs a full time staff. Uh, but they asked about some of the fundraiser events that they did, and the uh, the Tuttle or whatever the guy's name is that runs it uh, referenced the Red Ink Library. Oh, <laughs> funny. That's yeah. what they had. Their fundraiser ad. You said, oh, yeah. okay, that makes a lot of sense. So there you go. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Sorry, I didn't mind. No, that's, that's a great point. <laughs> but, I, I, you know, and I, and I think some of this is probably psychological. Again, being libertarians, we're very individualistic, right? We're individuals. We're not, we don't necessarily play well. 
Well, they play well in large groups, right? Yeah. But the reality is you've got to, right? You've got to get together to, to fight. And, you know, what, once you, you know, the fight is over, then you can go back to your, you know, your wherever you go and, and, and hang up. But the reality is you've got to, you know, break through that barrier. And I, I hate to keep using it, but it's, it's a, it's a cold war. And again, maybe that's the other thing, right? Like it's, it's a conflict. And again, libertarians are very against that type of thing. Yeah. So maybe there's a hesitation there, but again, but we're, we're also pro self-defense, right? Like we're all, we're, we're at that point now it's time to start defending your freedom and liberty yeah. because otherwise, and I'm, again, I'm not talking violence, right? We're, we're talking, there's a hell of a lot more that can be done before that ever gets to that situation. Right. And hopefully it never does. So it, 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 it's it's just frustrating to 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 as long as we've been doing this you know and, and i just keep thinking back on it and that's kind of why we had the convention i stepped down as a um from from the role um as vice chair of the party and sean's taken over which is which is awesome but i think we need to start kind of spreading our 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 base out a little bit so i'm, I'm my focus is going to be on the liberty alliance and getting that up and running and building infrastructure for people that want to start a pack or a, a, some kind of group or whatever we can, and we can support them and provide them with web space and, and guidance and training and, mm-hmm. and all that other stuff. So, ugh, you know, it, it's, it's well, just, it, and we, 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 I think we're all frustrated here with yeah. it. And I think it's just, you know, Bill, you're you've been Sean in your position. You kind of have to be diplomatic. I don't have to be diplomatic anymore. <laughs> I'm saying get off your fucking ass and do something right. Like, you know, it's, it, it is what it is. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and, no, there's there's a couple things that, that I'll leave off on this topic, and it's a you know, I mean, you're right. It's absolutely here right now. Like, what was it? Was it last month with the the COVID ma- vaccine mandate legislation went yeah, in or whatever? Sam Bell, another DSA member, by the yeah, way. Right, and you know, it's, it's the thing is like that that hasn't been talked about in like a month or so, or you know, but I'm I'm pretty I, I gotta check, but that legislation is probably sitting there waiting for a committee and things like that. But the the problem is they're now that they've got that reach and that infrastructure, and they're able to capitalize on those those different groups, the environmental people just happen to be the same ones that like the, the vaccines, like yep. who would have thunk. Right. Right. So it's one of those things where this is where we do need to kind of, I don't want to say adopt their strategy, but what they've been doing has worked relative to that, you know, decentralization, which libertarians absolutely love the concept of it, but being able to kind of branch out with that. And uh, I, forgot, fuck, I forgot my own. Other point. I'm sure it was really good, though. Uh-huh. It, well, well, just, just, well, just to shoehorn this uh, quick topic again, the, the person uh, in recent history that was great at incorporating all these left groups and, and uh, conflating all this information was my past opponent uh, in the, uh, what was it, the 2018 election, oh. Lofton Asensio, yeah. uh, who uh, he took, he was a, a young Democrats uh, pack. Uh, he was on the uh, the treasurer of the Sierra Club and uh, did some creative accounting and uh, diversion of those funds to to do all that other stuff. And so, and you look at him uh, back in his time when he was doing the campaign. He was a quote unquote rising star in the progressive movement. People that everybody was throwing their uh, their lot behind. And then you know, lo and behold, you know, everybody's shocked and amazed when all of a sudden he turns out to be a complete scumbag and mm. he was stealing money and, and and lying to people and 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 you know misrepresenting the truth. Um, you know in just recently, just a, f- a few weeks ago, uh, another one of my contemporaries, uh, uh, individual who's my age, uh, actually, uh, I, I don't know if you can say I, I work with him. We were both uh, independent contractors for the same company and as insurance agents. Um, but uh, Carlos Toban, he was on the other end of the uh, Democratic spectrum, a rising star on the uh, more conservative side. And God, there was a seven minute 
WPRI investigative uh, news piece that aired at the the six o'clock news. If you think about a seven minute time slot in a newscast, thirty minute newscast with commercials is like unheard of. That's big. Like, go read the story. This this kid was was nuts. He's he's building his whole entire uh, livelihood off of his uh, reservist uh, Coast Guard salary, his salary as a uh, state legislator, and uh, his insurance business. Which I can tell you uh, from working with him, he wasn't. Uh, top-rate uh, salesperson uh, by any means, and if you read some of the uh, uh, the things that he got involved with, with contracting and trying to resolve insurance claims and stuff like that, he was down a hole. The scary part was is that this rising star was not only a deputy majority leader, uh, he was on the influential finance committee, and mm-hmm. he also was on the committee in charge of dis- uh, disputing uh, disputing uh, the ARPA funds. He's also represents the district uh, that was the Condon Thread District up in uh, Central Falls, Pawtucket area, which is where they're building the new train station and all this <laughs> other uh, increased development mm-hmm. and the uh, the TIF zone for the new Tidewater Landing Soccer Stadium. And uh-huh. you sit there and you say to this guy, go read it and look, read about all those debts. Half of them aren't even coming out because he's preying on Hispanic communities that don't want to come forward and they aren't reporting the crimes and stuff like that. And you say, this guy is in debt, could have been foreclosed on a number of his houses, about on the verge of bankruptcy, and he's handling the, the, the billion dollar budget that we're here in the state, or how many billion dollars yeah. is it now? And he's handing and he's dealing with all these contractors and all these deals and you know, financing agreements and stuff like that. And these are the people that we have in power. So, my whole point why I'm trying to shoot this horn in and how it ties back to the liberty movement is like these people are their rising stars. These are the people that they're putting up on a pedestal and saying that they are the ones that are leading them. If these idiots can do it, you can do it. You are a qualified person. We need more candidates it's up there running for office spreading this message so that uh we actually have a voice and we actually people can actually reach out and listen to us as opposed to being drowned out by one candidate in the field right. of, of of everybody and just can easily ignore it that way so anyway yeah no it's a great point yeah it's uh, I, I just tie that up with uh, with a little bow here it's it's about that there's a quote from sun tzu right the art of war um See if I can I can recite this. It's it's if you know yourself and know your enemy, you'll win every battle. If you know yourself but not your enemy, you'll win half the battles. If you don't know yourself and you don't know your enemy, you'll never win a battle. So it's about knowing know yourself first, and then yeah. know what your principles are and wh- what you are, and then know your enemy's tactics and principles. And and we need to kind of bring that mentality to the liberty movement and start pushing this because the Republicans aren't doing shit. Yeah. Like you look at that tweet by Patricia Morgan, like, you know, you, you're, you're tone deaf and you're in, you know, you're, you're just flapping in the wind. Well, you know? and the establishment and the, created the rules and we have to follow their rules in order to change the rules. Right. I mean, unfortunately yeah. that's just the lot we're, we're dealt. So, yeah, and I think that's more of the frustrating part than anything, right. Is having to, to cope with that and, and move through that and, you know, play the game per se yeah. and trying to, to advance liberty in the state and unfortunately a part of it is you know being a part of that system in order to influence that change because look i mean just look at the impact that all these folks have on us day after day and there's a lot of people on twitter and especially rhode island twitter that's really pissed off about all this stuff yeah it seems like it just stays there yeah 
So I think really, you know, if if you know, if, if the last two years didn't prove it to you, it is time to figure out what your piece might be. And, you know, that's why I think like organizations like the Rhode Island Liberty Alliance, those are things that can you know, help put you in that. If you're very passionate about a, give, a very specific topic or if you have a skill set yes. that you could provide for something like that, there there's ways to channel that just like the adversaries are doing, right? They're, they're doing those types of things, either single issue or, you know, providing some sort of skill set and being able to you know contribute in that way there's a lot of ways to do that there's so much work to be done there's a spot for everybody and it's a spot for the right person too right like unfortunately one of the problems you with it with you know up and coming you know movements you do attract a certain level of 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 uh, fringe you know like it is what it is but there's a place for everybody and and um it just, it's a matter of stepping up and uh, maybe that's a question, right? For our audience is what, what are your ideas? Like, what well, do you think, you know, what, what can we do? Um, well, I, I think back to early on when we got involved after we reconstituted the party back in 2016, 2017, and some of the efforts we did uh, shortly after that. And I think mm-hmm. back on the, the big topics of the day was like the, the Paw Sox stadium was the big yep. issue. And we, we 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 got some groups. Well, we had the party focused on go showing up and Issues. testifying yeah. and and doing it. And we spent a lot of effort on that. Same thing with the Superman building. We had uh, organized protests where we had libertarian members standing out in yeah. front and protesting uh, taxpayer money going to the Superman building. And and while those you know it seemed like a good idea at the time and people were passionate about it, you in retrospect we look back we on it. We Suffered as a party. We did because we, we, we weren't focused on candidates and we, campaigns. Exactly. exactly. And so now we're. In a position where we don't have the candidates in power to do this right. and to, to fight against the, the 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 current stuff that's going on uh, right now with the, we talked about the tidewater landing situation yep. uh, the, the the recently announced the um, uh, the Superman building so uh, and we're not in a position to do anything about it. so we need it what would the perfect solution would have been is to form some type of nonprofit or some type of organization or advocacy group that was specifically against the Sox like and then yep the libertarian party could decide whether or not they want to affiliate with them. Yeah, uh, exactly. And that's in, or yeah. better yet, it wouldn't even be the libertarian if that party. that group wants to support the libertarian party and or, say, well, we, they, they, or wouldn't even yeah. be the party or so much as the candidates the running candidates as, running libertarian, as a, libertarians exactly. deciding yeah, yeah, whether exactly. or not. And then, yeah, so again, this is, this is the, as a new party, we we're, we're, we're learning and growing right. and that's what right. it's all about. Yeah. And well, speaking of Superman, yeah, I'll tell you, this libertarian does not agree with what's going on with the Superman building right now. So I think it's about a month ago. Um, this was in the news cycle, and it's starting to develop more and more. But I, I, all over, you know, the news and Rhode Island Twitter, no one's given, like, a really good analysis of this. Yeah, I've, I've heard a couple different things on this. Some people have arbitrarily pointed out some of the fallacies and some of the government policies, which is always great. Um, but it's it's always that pendulum. So I wanted, you know, at this roundtable, talk about, you know, the Superman building. And, and just like we were talking about, you know, unfortunately with the Memorial Day stuff, mm. we talk about the same core principle and issue. And I feel like, especially here in Rhode Island, we're applying it to multiple different things. You guys are just talking about the Paw Sox Stadium. Yep, right? yep. So, um, so, so let's talk about Superman building. So I, just to catch everyone up to speed, uh, you know, last month they announced that the, you know, the city of Providence and the state of Rhode Island are partnering up with a uh, high rock development, right. To renovate the Superman building. Wait, high rock development. I've heard of them before. Yeah. Yeah. They've been, yeah, they've been around. I, they were a, uh, a corporation in the state of Rhode Island, but uh, last I checked, they, they, they weren't a corporation. Anymore. Oh, you're scared. You don't. 
Hold on. To oh, that all right. One. Sorry. Sorry. Okay. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> stealing your thunder. I'm stealing your thunder. No, that's okay. Right. I, you know, regardless of you know whatever their status is, right? <laughs> they they came up with a 220 million dollar redevelopment plan uh, that they proposed. Uh, you know that actually uh, equates to I think 73 million cups of Dells. <laughs> uh, you know to to add apartments and office space to the building uh, with 64 million of that being put up by taxpayers. So. F- I, I tried to break down some of the numbers. 41 million of it comes straight out of our pockets. And the rest is coming from like a mix of different federal funds. You know, a chunk of that coming from the historic preservation tax credits, which amount to like 22 million. Uh, so not only do the great people of Minnesota get the privilege of filling our potholes, they also get to help put in luxury apartments and nice. office space in, in a city that they will likely never travel to. And parking garages too, because, you know, if we're lucky it'll end up like the Providence Place Moral, where they keep on devoting more and more retail space to parking garages, and we'll just end up with a, a high-rise parking garage. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds great. Yeah. So, you know, the, the different the different funding patterns here, you know, in order to qualify for, like, the historic tax credits, they have to follow all these different rules on how to get that. You have to spend a certain amount you have to prove the scope of the project so all they're doing for that and it's so fucking wild uh they're just going to renovate the lobby of the building and they're going to qualify for the historic tax credits for for everything to make a, the lobby pretty i so mean it looks like it's I, I, well the I first was, the lobby well for it is a beautiful building it's I, a beautiful building yeah. the, the same person that designed i think empire state building the lobby okay. uh, did the, the that is this building so it is there's historical value there but yeah. It's funny when we were standing out in front of the building, we probably should have gone on one of the tours and got, gotten a little history lesson. Who cares? I don't know, but for, for $22 million, that better be a bomb ass lobby. Yeah. It, 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 you know, it, it's funny. They, um, it, side note, but they, uh, when I went and visited the uh, Empire State Building one time, they talked about uh, how they built the Empire State Building. I'd have to look it up. It was like some ridiculous, like two years, three right. years. It was, like, like, it was like yeah, unbelievable. Yeah. And then they actually, years later, they did a restoration of the lobby. And it took them like 20 years to restore right. the lobby, yeah. just the lobby. It was just like, it, it was like 10 times as long. What and the cost, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Anyway, go ahead. And the quality, I'm <laughs> yeah. sure, is nowhere near. No, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, right. So, you know, there are lots of different other funding nuances between the split between the, the, the great people of Providence, the rest of the state here, you know, the, the people living in Bristol, right? Yeah. You know, we're paying for it. So, uh, and then, you know, the, the Rhode Island Foundation plays a role in that where they've, they're they issuing out loans and things like that, too. So a couple couple quotes here. Another nonprofit. <clears throat> it's wild how that all it's getting kinda, involved with uh, some some money, some state-funded projects. Jeez, the lines are blurring. Yes. So you know, Governor Dan McKee though, he says that this investment will breathe life into downtown Providence. So if that's the one thing, I, at the last couple of years they haven't been breathing much. People haven't been breathing in Providence. Uh, from what I understand, with all the masks and yeah. things like that, well, it's that's the bus terminal. You have to still wear masks on public transportation, don't you? Uh, yeah, so you yeah. still have to. I, I think so. Oh, no sh- well, I heard a bunch of schools are actually going back. Yeah, to, I, I, I know you. I got know some- for a fact. Yeah, <laughs> and I believe also uh, Providence and Central Falls schools are both. Yep. Yeah. I know at least one charter school has done both run by the state. So, you know, but it's, it's funny how we have to. <laughs> if if they say that we have to breathe life into Providence, I like to think that they actually, you know killed providence you know and you know i think over the past couple of years you know there's been problems way before covid with that but i think covid as many people can agree amplified a lot of the issues that we were having and all you know the, all the restaurants all the small businesses they just 
couldn't stay afloat. So. Wait, wait, hold on. I'm, I'm confused because you say breathe life into Providence. I thought they already issued the Narcam problem and they got that all to all the cruisers <laughs> and everything. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So Mayor Alorza on, on that topic, you know, he says that this investment that we're all making, it, it'll bring the needed housing and transform a downtown struggling with the loss of traditional office workers. So I got, I'm thinking, you know, this is like they're saying, oh, if, if, if we build it, they will come relative to this. But if you're, if you're, so they're going to put in a bunch of luxury um, apartments in the space. So I'm s- assuming all these businesses that were destroyed are going to prop back up because of these, you know, we'll get to this, but overpriced apartments mm-hmm. that, that are sitting there or, you know, all, all the, 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 the tech hubs in Boston and the finance industry in New York's be like, God damn, they're, they're adding like 57 apartments. I think, uh, I think I want to get, get a piece of that, you know? I love the term before you go. Sorry, on. sorry. 285 apartments. 57 oh. of them are a special class we'll talk about. I love the term they use investment, right? Like if only I could put a gun to someone's head and say, give me your money so I can invest <laughs> it. Like it's a, it's an investment. Like just yeah. give me your money. It's an investment. Yeah. You know, and, uh, you know, just to end on another Alorza quote, he said that the Superman building, and this is why you know, he's compelling all of us to to do this because the Superman building is a symbol of our entire state. I'm not going to disagree with him because nothing speaks Rhode Island like a vacant, crumbling (laughs) building with the caveat of providing the politically connected with a 30 year tax break. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, which is funny because the proposed 30 year tax break to the developer is actually illegal uh, in the state of Rhode Island. There's a statute for 20 years right now. So they're making deals based on uh, presumptions that legislation will have to what? change. Oh. Now, the, the, the city's not petitioning. Elors is like, oh, we're just assuming that the legislation's going to take care of this. So they don't have a plan to offer this 30-year tax break. Well, didn't we, I mean, and not to do the the on-the-nose comparison here, but, like, didn't we do this with 38 Studios where we took all this money and we put it into one big project and it just blew up in Deja our faces? Vu. Like, yeah, I mean, come on. Like, what? Like, didn't we know like, historic tax credits and, like, you know, all this other, like, stuff that went on in the background and we didn't do anything about it? And, you know, I, I would even sit there and say to myself, you know, uh, it might be something I can get on board with because we have the best and the brightest Stefan Pryor, you know, heading the <laughs> ship over there, the commerce. But, you know, I got a serious blow to my my confidence in the project because he just announced that he's resigning I to heard. run for treasurer. So who the hell is even going to spearhead this project if he's not? We don't have the best and the brightest anymore. Oh, and this is the fatal flaw with the uh, the, the the centralized planning uh, program that the uh, the leftists like to put on there. Is that they just said, if we can just get the right people, yep. the right positions, we can solve yeah. every single problem in this world. And the problem is, is that those people that we get in the right positions, they go and move somewhere else. Yeah. And then we're just at square one and we have to start all over again and we're screwed. And like, so uh, we yeah. need more best and brightest. I don't know. Yeah, that's funny because Rhode Island Commerce Corporation just voted unanimously to approve the, the state investment in this project. Yeah. Of I, I, did. I like to refer to them as the Economic Development Corporation. Just oh. just, just, just <laughs> nostalgia. Just like, nostalgia. you know. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you got to think, I mean, talked a bunch of numbers. What, what are we getting out of this? Right. And that, that's where we need to intrinsically see what the value of this is. So um, I, um, I'll tell you, I don't think I will ever step foot in that building. Personally, you know, mm-hmm. I, I, maybe I'll find a friend and I'll visit them in one of the apartments or maybe I'll go to one of the businesses that are going to be propped up there. But I, it, I think it's highly unlikely that I'm going to step foot in there. 
I think most of the people living there are either going to be too rich or too poor for you to hang out with, Sean. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, so let's talk about that. So, so you know what? And, and you know, people will be like, "Oh, well, you know, you know, you might not use all the roads in Rhode Island, but the roads are important." <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and stuff like that. So you know, let's let's talk about intrinsically as a whole as a system. What are we going to get out of this? So apparently, we're going to get 285 apartments, 57 of them being reserved at below market rates. What you think? Oh, damn! So what, what could possibly go wrong there with the government <laughs> distorting the economics of this? Situation? So this is where the the you know the nuance of the whole affordable housing comes in, and that's what that's the banner and the flag that they're waving on this, yep. and they're way off on it. So you know the affordable housing at this place, they've already figured out the price and all that, even though they don't know the cost to operate this because again they don't know what the tax breaks are going to be. They just said, oh, we're going to do some level of tax break. They'll, they'll figure it out when they get there, right? Um, so if you want a two bedroom apartment there. Um, it's going to cost $2,337 a month. And the, the cheapest available one, and they, they have these bucketed into different tiers of uh, mm. based on the, the AMI, right, uh, for the Providence region. So the cheapest available unit that they will have, which I don't know how many of them they will have, is uh, $1,212. So uh, in order order to qualify for the affordable housing, you have to hit income requirements, right? So I'll quickly go through those. So they uh, prescribed uh, in order for a one-person household, and all these are based on a one-person household, right? You'll have to make forty eight k a year. Uh, for uh, 60k a year uh, for the second tier and the final tier at 72k. So for context, you know, before you're taxed to death in the state of Rhode Island and the federal government gets their share, if you made that coveted $15 an hour, you know, uh, and worked full time, you'd be at 31k a year before taxes or anything, right? So that two bedroom that we just talked about, <clears throat> $28,000 a year for the for the cost relative to that. So you have to admire the 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 nuance of the affordable housing that mm. they're doing. And because they're getting certain tax credits and funding because they're providing a certain percentage of that affordable housing. But you gotta look, I mean two thousand three hundred thirty seven dollars a month for a two bedroom apartment, that's pretty expensive. Yeah. yeah. Right. And what's going to differentiate the lower cost units? Are there going to be less amenities? Are there going to be cheaper appliances? Is it going to be painted drunk tank pink with a picture of the governor on the wall or something like that? Like what makes them affordable uh, house, uh, units over here? You know, they, they don't have that solidified. All I heard is they're ha offering one bedroom and two bedroom. Oh. I, I also interested in how they um, delineate between the lower income and the upper income people, like the people in the different levels, right? Yes. Like is yeah. the, the higher floor, is there a separation there? Like well, you, they, they're building your key card only allows you to go to a certain floor. I can assure you, Mike, that there's going to be equity and inclusion built into this uh, program 100%. So I, I think all do, the doors on the outside are going to look exactly the same, <laughs> but the insides are going to be a lot of difference. And so everybody's going to look the same on the outside. Do, do you ever, you guys watch that? Well, it's a movie and it's a TV show as well. Snowpiercer. Uh, the, so. the train the yeah, train yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so there's a, the first so certainly a, a delineation between yeah, the classes well, on they, the train right like well, they, they snuck on the train so yeah <laughs> yeah yeah well there's even a difference between the work oh, the I middle know, of the I train know. and then the front I of the train yeah so it's it's uh yeah well uh, you didn't you didn't get back to the point sean so high right. rock development i i have a i have a, a special place in my heart about this issue i actually wrote an, an article for go local prov oh, about uh the uh, the annual filing uh for your annual report as a corporation i i understand high rock development is not in good standing with the state of rhode island that is correct uh, <laughs> actually the last time there were i believe was in 2017 oh. so it's, it's very interesting and these license so they weren't paying taxes and they weren't filing their annual report yeah oh okay but the state still will agree to go into business with it. These licenses were the last thing keeping everyone from everything from collapsing. Yes. Especially during 
COVID and <laughs> now we got monkeypox that we got to prep for. So it's all these things. These licenses were the last things protecting so, the consumer. So it was, they didn't ask the crown for permission to be a business. That, well, that was so what was holding them back. They pay their $400 tribute every year yeah, or whatever yeah, yeah, the heck exactly. it is to, to be a, right. uh, to file your annual report. So now here's the interesting thing because um, as somebody who, uh, again, it, there's a whole reason. If you read my, my article, I won't rehash it, but um, it's a whole big thing. Once you get uh, deactivated, first of all, um, you are no longer a legal entity in the state of Rhode Island. There's a lot of issues that, mm-hmm. that I mean, just very nature. If you're not a legal entity, are you able to conduct business in the state? And then if you're able to conduct business in the state, what does that do to your liability, for example? And like, are you then, you know, conducting business illegally? But the, the interesting thing is, is that in order to um, go ahead and get reinstated, uh, after being inactive for so long, there's a number of uh, requirements that you have to do. And again, if you read the article I wrote, they're all outlined in there. But one of them is to get a letter of good standing from the Division of Taxation uh, saying that you're up to date on all of the, the tax obligations that you have to the state and everything. And I remember, and this is bef- uh, pre-pandemic when this all happened to us, but it was like something ridiculous. Like I, It was like a four to six week waiting time or something oh, like that to get a process yeah. tax it like I, I notice a good standing from the division of taxation so that means that like by the time you figure out your and again it was an oversight on my part uh my the company i was working for part of that that uh, had all this issue happen uh but uh if for a company like high rock who is basically scoff law on the taxes uh they basically had no intentions of improving the property whatsoever they're going to sit there and wait till they got the uh, held the proverbial gun to the head of the city and the state until they got the deal that they wanted and now it's at a point where oh my god we're at the verge of interest rates going up we better get a deal yeah. on the books right now let's get a deal on the books and oh wait a minute we haven't been paying our taxes we haven't been filing our annual reports and we got to get that cleaned up i'm sure that's getting expedited but they were able to barter a deal with the the government yeah, Rhode Island Commerce, yeah. Rhode Island Foundation, Mayor of Providence. Unbelievable. They, they're all starting to commit, you know, plans for increased debts and bring things to votes and things like that. And that's okay in that instance because they're connected. See, I, I, I feel like we're bashing on the company a little bit, and maybe we are, but... I see it as they're just doing what what they need to do as a company. No, I, agree. I think I think the issue is the government um, apparatus that's in place that allows it to happen. Well, that's that's right. I yeah. think that's the like nobody's that's, nobody's yeah. faulting Kurt Schilling for taking government subsidies no, exactly. for thirty eight years. Yeah. I mean, hell, if I was running a business again, everybody out there that uh, you know took PPP funding from the the, the government right. isn't a bad person. I mean, uh, the philosophical libertarian will say, "Hey, you can't accept any money from the government," but I mean. But they've like, stolen a bunch of money from me. Exactly. So I'm getting money back. You know, there's a, a certain be, aspect of that as well. But you shouldn't well. become accustomed yeah. to the... Uh, no, no, the, no, no the, I agree. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, and I think, you know, there was like, well, going back to the Paw Sox Stadium, which kind of in line with this is, you know, uh, there was a lot of bashing of the, the owners of the, the, the Red Sox going, like, no, my, my, my issue is with the government allowing, providing them these little um, carrots that they can, they can give or take or whatever they want to do to manipulate you and and why not just open it up for everybody right yeah. like well we, we I, again listen i don't want high rock to pay any taxes i don't want <laughs> yeah. palmary's bakery right. and johnson you know to pay taxes either yeah you know and that's and nobody and that's should be paying point. taxes yeah nobody should yeah. well exactly. to, to bring this back to an earlier point we were talking about getting involved with your community and stuff like that god 
sit there and learn about what goes on in your community and the prior, uh, how they prioritize projects that get done. And it has nothing to do with need or what the, the town or city can afford. It's they have hired a town planner or somebody that's designated to go onto these municipal websites and find out what types of grants are available. Mm. And not whether or not we need this program, but what type of these grants can we apply to our town to do something? So you end up with a... a if a, I put in for two million dollars then yeah. i'll be able to get 10 million now and i'll yeah. i'll give you a great example we're in warren uh if you haven't heard the bridges between uh the barrington and warren yep. are are bust garbage. and they're garbage <laughs> and they've spent however many millions of dollars this i heard uh, being on the committee i heard and we love this uh you know the the railings that were on the 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 on the edge of the uh the bridges going to barrington yeah. uh on the sidewalks and then they made them wider with the wooden planks uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, to accommodate yeah. the bike path well they had to remove this the metal railing and stuff like that and in the contract they're paying the contractor to store this metal railing until they get the bike path is thing and they remove this temporary structure and then they can reinstall the metal railing well I don't. This isn't like historic metal railing. They just redid right. those bike pra- uh, those bridges. The, those uh, remember they had the temporary bridges and they yeah, yeah. parked on the job and like yeah. all the other ridiculous stuff that happened with that whole project. Like they could have just thrown those railings in the garbage and replaced them with brand new railings, and it would have been less expensive right. than paying the contractor to storm for the length of this project. Yeah, that's. What they, but you they see, could have th- sold them as scrap, made a little bit of money back, and then bought new. Ra- you <laughs> see this stuff over and over, and again going back to that, those two bike path bridges are shot to hell they're trying to figure out dot to get funding to do it but meanwhile on the other side of town in a non-contiguous portion of the bike path meaning not connected to the main bike Mm. path uh they created they got a grant for a safe pathways to schools grant where they're building a special composite bike path bridge that connects it's called the literally it's called the broken bridge it's the section of the same or railroad that went to fall river uh that washed out in the 38 hurricane or something like that and they never replaced it and it's literally in town called the broken bridge we're going to put a a bike path bridge over that's not going to connect to the main bike path and we're going to spend millions of dollars to do this yet we're not going to spend we don't have the funding to replace the two main bike path bridges that everybody uses it doesn't make any sense and again this is how government funding and you learn about this stuff and you can have intelligent conversations you sit and you go to a com uh, a cookout on memorial day weekend you start talking to your relatives you start telling them what? crazy stories and then they start talking to you and you realize hey they sound like they're sick of this crap too i had a co- i went over to my neighbor's house last night they needed me to sign a witness something to sign something i spent an hour over there sitting around the table with their uh with her uh, her daughter who's uh, older than i am it's uh, the, the neighbor's older um and uh, uh her husband talking about the craziness of the last few years, the ridiculous how the mass mandates are coming back. And these are not far extreme libertarian people. I didn't even think they were conservative. Yeah. I thought they were Democrat. And they were like done with it. And, they, and yeah. they're talking to me. And this is they, like you have these conversations. You you build it that way. And that's how you grow the liberty movement. People don't want to spend a ton of money on the Superman building. They don't want to spend a ton of money on 38 mm-hmm. Studios. The, the, the you know... Uh, Paw Sox Stadium, Tidewater yep. Stadium, whatever freaking stadium we end up over there. They just want to, you know, live their lives and not pay any taxes. And that's what we're talking about here, libertarian. Yep. Well, wasn't there a, a, I don't know if it was one of you guys that shared a, in our private chat on um, Signal, uh, <laughs> encrypted messenger, which I encourage everybody to use. Highly recommend. Uh, um, 
that uh, there's a stadium somewhere. I want to say it was Florida, but anyway, there's a stadium yeah, being yeah. built that that's they're paying the town to. to David Beckham is uh, paying. okay. That's right. Not yeah. only is there, and I can't remember the specifics. I had to pull it up, but not only is it uh, guaranteed, they're paying guaranteed lease uh, agreement to the town, so uh, or the city or the county. I think they do it county in Florida. Um, but it, no matter what, whether or not it's successful or not, they have a guaranteed lease payment. So there's guaranteed income coming into the town, and then if they overperform. The the county gets a, a piece of that action as mm. well too. So if they, they they do well, and it's all being financed and built with private private money. equity, and it's like <laughs> what? And he said this, and he's so, like, what the hell? Why are they doing it down there? Does he want to build a soccer stadium here? Right, well, <laughs> listen, I think we're probably getting a raw deal on that one. Well, why would you do it in Rhode Island if like it's not the norm around here? Like, yeah. It, yeah, I mean, it's just not it. And I mean, it, and you're talking about Florida. I mean. I love what's going on with the, uh, the controversy with Disney, and they talk about this uh, was it the whatever creek development, uh, the the special yeah. designation. Yeah, yeah. Basically, back in the day, the, Florida gave Walt Disney free reign in Florida, said you guys can do it. Apparently, they have uh, the authority to build a nuclear power plant if they want to in Disney. Yeah, because they don't need any permits <laughs> they or don't anything, need, right? They don't need to if they want to install an elevator or a ride. They don't need to wait for state inspectors to come in. And they well, they build. probably do that because they're like, man, every time I want to like make a change, I have to. Go go to the town like that's so weird i just want to put in a window or a but bathroom it's yeah. it's again and we talk about this stuff all the time but what ended up happening universal studios sea world all the other amusement parts ended up opening in the general area they didn't have the same agreement do you think Walt disney world was going to let them in on the same type of situation right. so that's the whole argument that again the neocons DeSantis is saying is saying well if if the other amusement parks don't have to follow these rules well why does disney have to they're going to they don't like what we're saying we're going to go and target them and it's so instead the, of loosening the rules on the other exactly, parts yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> exactly yeah. instead it's just saying disney is one of the most successful corporations in the world they have this huge yeah. boon to our economy that's basically made central florida what it is today let's just uh, go ahead and and, and again and, and that's a republican for you exactly yeah. and and, and and for what? And it, the whole thing is so stupid. It's on one hand, you get a bunch of, and I don't know how we got on this topic, but you know, on one hand, you got a bunch of Disney employees <laughs> com beers. complaining about it. And on the other hand, you have a bunch of uh, government bureaucrats, you know, complaining that they, they signed a bill that doesn't, like, who cares? We don't want to deal with your petty bullshit. Just let us freaking live our lives and not and build a damn nuclear power plant, for God's sakes. I think everybody <laughs> should get the Disney uh, agreement where they're able to self-govern and, you know. Yeah. Put up their own uh, right. concession uh, stands and all that. So yeah. that's that, sign me up. Yeah, we need that everywhere. And it, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. So Florida, but you know, just just uh, to, to wrap the uh, <laughs> yeah, what were we up talking here. about? <laughs> <laughs> Superman building, right? Okay. So yeah. you know, uh, this all, all assumes like they, there's like they are like quickly trying to push this. It's very timely for midterms and things like that. But like they don't really seem to have like a very solid plan going into it, especially when. Uh, the city of Providence offering this plan is illegal by state law in terms of what they're promising to these people that aren't licensed to do business in the state. Right. So, but even all that aside, right. The, the, the state projects, state funded projects are very known for being on budget on time, things <laughs> like that. So they're saying this is going to take like 30 months, right. To, to do this huge renovation at like, what was it like $220 million. So, you know, uh, you know, the Paw Sox, right. When, when they're uh, moved out of the state because of, you know, we wouldn't fund, 
uh, their deal. And when How, they, how's that going for them? Well, I heard that they did move, <laughs> but uh, the deal that they offered that town, it, it seems like things got way more expensive. Uh, it's than funny how that point. happens. Yeah, I don't know. And those, I don't think those residents are very happy with that deal anymore. There was a stadium in Connecticut. I think the mascot was the Yard Goats. It had a very similar situation that <laughs> happened before the Pazak Stadium that we could have pointed to and said that that could have happened. But anyway. Yeah. So, you know, and, you know, the city of Providence can't build a pedestrian bridge on time you know <laughs> that's another you know, I love that the, one, the right. three million dollar bridge that turned into 21 million dollars and multiple years over budget how about the broken bridge that caught on fire is that yeah. what are they going to do with that they f- figure out is that the one they're turning into art yeah or whatever? yeah oh, something Christ. well it's 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 not art until the government says it's art. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be appro- approved art approved by art. the ministry of art yeah so, so you know it directly reports to the ministry ministry of disinformation <laughs> you know so i think it goes without saying the appropriate stance here is not a, a single penny of taxpayer funds uh from providence uh anyone living in rhode island anyone in minnesota should go into this building at all you know now it, it is a shame that it's been empty uh since 2013 i think bank of america right yep. they're the last yep. ones in yep. it so you got to think that like why has it why it seems like prime real estate yeah it needs some investment and some love to go in there but you know what stops someone like a like a like a larger company or someone that really wants to come in and do something with it and i Pro- think probably the city of providence you turn I, yeah, providence yeah. into a destination and then that becomes more valuable and more it might have yeah. something to do with the wild hub and the msnbc business rankings it put rhode island at the bottom of the barrel and uh, uh, yeah, why are you going to go invest a bunch of money? And, you know, they couldn't even get Amazon with, you know, the I, God, I would love to see the deal that Rhode Island proposed to Amazon. They didn't they made it proprietary they wouldn't, or they wouldn't you wouldn't see it. It's like that. But the, I'm sure you guys remember that commercial. though. Yeah, right? like they were going to put like they showed like the Superman building with a big Amazon logo. on, And they probably were like, yeah, we'll just. Well, here's know. the problem with that. And we, we talked about it back when we reviewed McKee's 2030 plan or whatever. It's yeah. like the, the biggest things that he said Rhode Island had go for in is Boston and New York yeah. City. <laughs> things outside of Rhode Island. <laughs> right? So it's it's one of those things where we can't say that. We, we don't have anything to call our own, and it's because of these years of policies and government intervention. And the, the solution to attract business, tourism, whatever you want in the province is not more government. Yeah. at all well let's let's make some predictions then so what, what is everybody what's the over under on uh the price <laughs> and uh the the length of construction here's um, the thing they're gonna blame inflation okay well now, interest, interest rates are rising yeah they did yeah. say and, and then they'll say oh because you know we had to put it to a voter this we're delaying all that and now the cost of construction yeah. right. they said they factored in inflation into this which is funny because inflation only started with the putin tax yeah. they, they were clear right, but they've Putin's been working fault. on this deal for a hot minute now so it's very interesting how this nothing to do with the no, trillions of no, dollars that were no, printing no, nothing not at all nothing under trump by the way yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, so, and that's the thing all these policies are all it, it's, it's you could be on team red or team blue yeah. but really you could look at it guess what yeah, we oh man. We well, that's go. why that's why I go back to it. it's not it's they're both terrible. That's yeah, not an yeah, organized yeah. event. They're both fighting each other, and they're both they effectively both doing the same thing. They <laughs> both suck. The red and the blue. Yep. God. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I'll just leave on you know just uh, capping on that duopoly issue, right? You know this. So this is typical Rhode Island stuff. It's gonna go through, um, and it's 
going to suck. And it'll be another talking point where we're mocking, you know, the $220 or $220 million investment that goes into this private and public um, is going to turn into much more than that. And they're not going to plan and forecast for all these things. And But we have to do it because we made a commitment and we have to put more money into it. So I want two things, actually. One, if anyone of our listeners has a copy of that 38 Studios game, I have not played it, <laughs> and I feel like we we as it's a missed a, opportunity. Yeah, if, as a state, we should really embrace that investment. I, That's I, our game. I I you also um, want to put a pitch out here. If Kurt Schilling is listening to this, I recently found a Kurt Schilling rookie card, and I would love to have you sign it and write something about Rhode Island and Thirty Eight Studios on it. So please get, uh, get in contact with us. I'd lo- I'd love to meet up with you and uh, and have you sign that rookie card. It'd be great. Oh goodness, yeah. And then you know, I think if he crosses the ro- into the border into Rhode Island, he'd burst into the flames. Well, I, 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 I think spontaneous combustion. Well, I, I think there. I don't know if it's a warrant, but I think he's not technically allowed in Rhode Island without being incarcerated or something like that. I think they'll actually arrest him. <laughs> well, right? sure. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what the legal status is, but anyway. Yeah, but you know, uh, we talked a lot about you know Democrats, Republicans, and things like that, and really no one's no one's happy with the status quo, right? and that you can't be. I, every person that I've met in person, is like, yeah, this sucks. Nothing's yeah. working, right? So. As libertarians, I always say that we have the best message, right? Don't hurt people and don't take their stuff. And, and mm-hmm. when you tell someone something like that, like, yeah, that, that makes sense, mm-hmm. right? But it, it, the problem is, is the barriers that they've put in place to try to stop, you know, any third-party voices or anything from coming up. And these are a lot of the frustrations that, you know, I think we have to overcome as a movement in order to make that positive change in our lifetime here. Well, hopefully what we do here can start helping move that forward. You know, that's, uh, you know, that's kind of... One of my personal goals that I've set for myself to try to start lighting some fire, you know, that be, be proud. Shit is burning down everywhere, so you might as well light our own fire to back burn well, <laughs> to stop it. I, I can say one thing, and, and to that point is that you know you, you have to do something to stop the progress, and and, and yeah. you, we talk about the left and what their tactics are, and and they're just so. Uh, passionate about it they're always talking about it. like you know y- you know how you can tell someone is an environmentalist it's because they'll tell you they're an environmentalist yeah. you know someone's a vegan because they'll tell you they're a vegan like they- they're out there you need to be more uh open with people and talking everywhere i go people laugh and they say oh billy the libertarian or yeah. i don't know if you know billy he's li- i was in an ethics class uh on last thursday and uh i, I diverted the entire insurance discussion about how uh DeFi and and blockchain was going to completely uh re re-envision the entire insurance industry and the entire class was listening to me and like laughing saying like yeah the the government uh the petrodollar is fiat and not worth anything and and go yeah he's right yeah that, that sounds like some great information <laughs> over here and like seriously though but like you need to get out there and get that in, and it just incremental change and, and and just getting that message out to people as much as you can and and make it so that it's annoying like you know hey every time you know bill comes over he's he's talking to me about liberty bringing it back to libertarian about how much the government sucks it has an effect because yeah. after a while people they think you're crazy but they start to agree with you and they're yeah. like uh, you know you know that bill i have been talking to him and he's kind of turning me into a libertarian like begrudgingly but hey what what do you think a goal would be to set up a rothbard library right next door to the commie library oh my god <laughs> but do it <laughs> across the street yeah sign me up i will i will fund what i can that, that would be the shit right well, I, I, I think we This should. is the after show. Yeah, I know. <laughs> we're, 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 we're an hour 40. Oh, jeez. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. 
But yeah, Ooh, there's tons of stuff that we would love to do like this, and just hey, we don't have the time or the resources, and and not to say that like the resources is a lot of money or anything. It's just literally just like getting people together yeah. and and volunteers, yeah. and people just want to mess with the status quo and point out of the absurdity of it all. And if you feel like you're that person, let us know. We we got tons of stuff we can do. We have plenty of ideas and not enough time is yeah. really our big issue. Yeah. So before we wrap up, real quick, I was I've been driving a lot more in Warren lately, and if you're the that guy that keeps putting the taxation is, is theft stickers up. <laughs> I haven't figured out who you are yet, and I need you to DM me either yeah. on Twitter or Facebook. That's they're everywhere. A hero right there. Yeah, and, and, and not it's all not John. And, and I, I thought it was John, but I don't think it's him. So if you are that unsung hero putting up those ANCAP flavored taxation is theft stickers in Warren, Rhode Island. Send me a DM. Yeah, for we'll sure. Send, we'll send you some uh, stickers of our own, Liberty RI and uh, Marode and uh, Sinking Ship and anything yeah. like that. that you can stick all, those all around town. That's a good point where we can close with that. all that stuff where a heavy effort's going to be starting to be made on our digital pr uh, presence and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, speaking of, before I get into the connecting with us, if you want to write for LibertyRI.com, reach out to us. We're looking for some people who want to create content. If you want to write from a libertarian perspective, not a conservative right wing We want a libertarian <laughs> voice in the in Rhode Island. If you want to write, reach out to us. Um, you can contact me through either through libertyri.com slash connect or Mike at libertyri.com. Um, but to connect with us for any other reason, libertyri.com slash connect. And um, all our links to social media are there. Um, of course, there's LibertyRI.net, which has kind of gotten quiet. Um, I'd like to put an effort into getting that back up and running and, yeah. and um, get some conversation going there. So um, I think that's um, a uh, challenge to myself and, and us here in the, in the room. But, um, yeah, so um, until the next time, stay safe, everybody, and keep fighting the good fight. Thanks for sticking with us. Yep. Yeah. See you next time. You've been listening to the Rhode Island Liberty Report. Be sure to check us out at LibertyRI.com.